Rejoice always. Even when England lose the rugby. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Brethren, that's brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In John chapter 14, the words that I know that we know so well, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in Paul's epistle to Jude, he writes this, Now to him, Jesus, who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy. How many of us want to get to heaven at the right time? About six of us. That's great. How many of us want eternal life in heaven? Okay. Yay. Good. If you don't know the life in Jesus, have a word of me afterwards. But what we have in these two passages are two foundational keys, two revelations and truths about who Jesus is. Number one, he is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven. And number two, when we approach those moments, he's the one that's going to present us faultless before the Father. And so what we've looked at over these past few months is not only essential to our salvation, to Jesus reaching down, taking hold of us, saving us, and leading us to that place of eternal life, But it's also essential to our sanctification, if you like, our holy living here and now. And as we come to this end of the series on holy and whole, I hope we've grasped with both hands. In fact, not just both hands, but with our head, heart, soul, strength, that being holy And being whole is not an optional extra to Christian living. It's not something that we can pick up when it suits us on a Sunday, looking our best, and then put down when life gets hard, as some do. Neither is it something that we can mix in with the unholy as if holiness and unholiness go together. They don't. And I think this is why the Church of England in particular is in such a mess at the moment. It's trying to mix two things that do not go together. And I find it fascinating, as we shared last week, that these pockets of revival that are bursting up in America and elsewhere, where young people, and actually of all ages disillusioned by what they're seeing in the world today, disillusioned by governments and the way they're being led, disillusioned by the fact that, like, literally under their feet, their identity is being pulled from under them 
They don't know who they are. They don't know what identity they are. And yet they're seeking for the truth and the truth they're finding in Jesus. And I just think it's beautiful and pure and simple. The way these young people, it's not big show or performance or big names or anything like that, but in purity and holiness are bowing before the holy God. And that is for us all. It's not something we can mix together. And sadly, the church is trying to do that for too long. And it really is time for the church to say no. And I believe actually as well that God is kind of doing that dividing line. Those that are for holiness and those that are not. Those that really are pursuing righteousness, right relationship with Jesus. And those that think they can still play the game of church or whatever it looks like. And they cannot. Light cannot be mixed with darkness. When you're in a dark room and you turn the switch on, light, darkness flees, it has to. Holiness cannot be mixed with holiness. The holy atmospheres that I was talking about last week. Holiness shifts the atmosphere that is unholy. And you see, this is the life that we're called to. And Peter says in 1 Peter 1, be holy for I am holy. The song that we've just sung about, Brian Dirksen, I think he wrote it when he was 19 years old, a young guy, crying out for the holiness of God. Refine us fire. Purify me. Make me holy. And I guess the question for us all as we kind of draw this series to a close is what has changed in our lives over these past few months as we've looked at this whole subject of being holy and whole. What has changed in your life and mine? And I just want to remind you as a kind of a big NB that standing up here preaching to you, I preach more to myself than to yourselves, just so you know that. It's more about looking in the mirror and allowing God to look at my heart as it is standing here for him to look at yours. What has changed in our lives? See, this is not the end of the series, and in many ways it's the start, isn't it? But how has our life changed for the better? How has it made a difference in the choices, our habits, our conversations, our behavior, our focus, and our goals? I was reading through um, Matthew 5 earlier this week, and um, it was our Monday reading for the 365, and um, I was struck by Matthew, the author, the writer of his gospel, recalling these words of Jesus. And Jesus is talking about loving our enemies, which is pretty topical, I would say, <laughs> at the moment. And he, he, he gives the detail more than Luke does in his account. So the words are Jesus saying, You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Can I just kind of add a little PS? I'm struggling to love what's going on in Ukraine and Russia at the moment. And those behind it. That's because 
dealing with my heart as I'm praying for peace. But then Matthew goes on. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I was kind of just reflecting on this, because um, looking at Luke's account, when Luke records these words, he records the words, love your enemies and, uh, and uh, uh, love those who hate you and all of that. But he doesn't include the bit about the tax collectors. And here is Matthew, formerly Levi, formerly a tax collector, knowing so well the community of tax collectors that he grew up in. See, what we read in Scripture, and if you like, the labels that are placed on this group of people was that they were sinners, that uh, they were the enemy of the people, they worked alongside the enemy, and there probably was a lot of truth in that, and there was greed. But you see, Matthew growing up in this environment, in this community, he would have known the way tax collectors care for one another. He would have known the way tax collectors loved one another and had interest in their own community and supported one another because they would have needed support. Okay, they were wealthy, they had money. But Matthew would have grown up in that environment and knew how tax collectors loved one another. And as I was just reflecting on this, I was just, just thinking, here he is, formerly a tax collector, writing this passage about tax collectors, reflecting on his own life and how much changed in his life from the moment he said yes to Jesus. That moment when Jesus called him to follow him and he laid down the money, the wealth, and he followed Jesus. You see, Matthew knew when we pursue holiness, we cannot stay the same. Life cannot be the same. The old is gone, the new has come. He knew that when we pursue righteousness, righteousness means right relationship with God, with Jesus. We cannot maintain the same outlook. It's in Matthew's gospel, he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. See, he knew in his own life experience that when you give your life to Jesus and when you pursue after holiness and when you say yes and surrender to righteousness and you commit everything in you to being holy, life cannot be the same. Our outlooks cannot be the same. As we move closer to Jesus, we become more perfect, as Jesus says in Matthew 6. Is that my ears belling, ringing, or, okay. Yeah. You know, we become more perfect. And actually the word perfect, it means complete. Complete in Jesus. And we need to know this as well. So let me ask this question again. What has changed in our lives over these past few months? When we look back, is there anything that we can say has changed for the better? So right at the start of the series, we were looking at what it is to abide in the presence of God. Psalm 91, he who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. 
He'll say, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God, in you I will trust. How has that changed in our lives? Do we, are we finding that greater thirst for God's presence? Have we noticed that we are, yes, <laughs> have we noticed that we are spending more time with the Lord in that secret place? What was five minutes is now 10 minutes. What was 10 minutes is now 15 minutes. Those times when in the busyness of the day we just stopped and we pause and we just think of Jesus. You see, when we thirst for his presence, that's what happens. We can't help but think about him. We can't help but want his presence. And are we setting aside time to do this? Well, if as you look back two months, you can say, yes, praise the Lord, there's still more. If you look back and you think you're not so sure, then what can you do today and this week to make more time to be with him? We looked at hearing God's voice, meditating on his word. Are we finding that there is a greater hunger to, to open the book and to read the pages and allow God to speak through his word to you? And then are you noting this down? You're, you're hearing God speak and you're getting into that habit of like, yeah, Father's spoken to me. This is what he said. So if the answer is yes, praise the Lord. Keep doing it. Spiritual hunger feeds spiritual hunger. And it keeps going. And we're wanting more. If you're looking back over the last couple of months and you're not so sure, then again, what can you do today and this week to make space, to find your favorite seat in the house? Or even if you sit in the car or you, you find a space where there's no noise and just for five minutes, ten minutes, open the Bible and read it. And if you don't have a Bible, please have a word with me. We'll get you a Bible straight away. That will be our gift to you today. We looked at Sabbath rest. There's an interesting one. <laughs> Working from rest. I had a conversation before I was speaking up at St. Lawrence about this with, with a lady. We're both saying how busy life is. And then I'm talking about Sabbath rest. And um, yeah, trying to eliminate some kind of hurry from our lives, being alone with the Lord. And I, and I recognize in you know, in, in our work schedules and commitments, this will look different for each one of us. And the different stages of life that we have, whether it's with young children or uh, children are gone or there's not children there, you know, we're all different in that. But you know, all of us have seven days a week. And all of us have 24 hours in a day. And though this looks different to us, so for example, for Heather and I, our Sabbath is a Friday. You know, that's our Sabbath day. Uh, for some reason, I'm working on a Sunday. I'm not quite sure why, but that's what I'm told. But all of us have this time, some time in the week, to declutter, to put our phones down, to put our phones in a box. 
to actually value those things that are important to us and to those who are close to us. And I guess, I guess the question again is, are we committing to this or not? We're balancing, as we spoke about, between our limitations and our potentials. All of us have limitations, but all of us have potential. And in between the limitations and the potentials, as we share life together, how intentional are we, or have we been these last few months as we thought about it, about taking our Sabbath day? And Sabbath, Shabbat, it literally means stopping, resting, and delighting. Stopping, resting, delighting in the Lord and in the, those who he's given us to love and delight in. And even if it's moments creating space to be quiet, even if it's moments embracing some kind of simplicity in our life, setting aside time to be with the Lord. The great theologian Walter Brueggemann said this, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. I think he's right. Jesus kept the Sabbath day and he changed the world. And he invites us to do the same. But as we look over these past two months, has there been any noticeable change in our diaries, in our planning? If yes, praise the Lord. Keep going. If honestly we look and think, not sure. Then have a reset moment today, now. And just see how the Holy Spirit can help you. Find that time to stop, to rest, to delight. You know, our prayers and decrees this year, part of it is this. Father, we choose to fling wide the doors of our hearts to you, to Jesus, to Holy Spirit. And we ask for your love to pour in and go deeper as we hear your word, take your hand and walk with you this year. And we were looking at the Father's love. And again, the question is, is are we growing more and more in love with him? Embracing his love for us. And we were looking at the prodigal son. And I don't know whether you remember, I kind of like uh, outlined a journey uh, from when the son came to his senses with the, with the pigs to the feast with the fatted calf. And, you know, the, that, that distance. And kind of ask the question of us all, you know, where are we on the journey? Do we still see ourselves a bit of a distance away from that embrace, that daily embrace? Or has that robe of forgiveness been placed around us and the ring of inheritance placed on our finger and we're feasting with him, we're enjoying his love moment by moment because that's his heart and his desire for each one of us. We look to deliverance from evil, breaking off generational curses and word curses, knowing the freedom and blessings that we have in Jesus. And again, the question, I mean, I'm asking this of myself as well as you, is how intentional are we in looking at those patterns of behavior and thinking, actually, Jesus has given us a way through them by the power of the cross and in the name of Jesus. He has given us the authority and the power to do something about it. And so are we more alert to noticing those kind of negative patterns or the way that we might react in habits, or withdraw in ourselves, 
or the things that steal our joy, our peace, our identity. You know, we gave us the tools to do this. If you remember, new VIP, new VIP. That it's done in the name of Jesus. Name. And it's because of the victory on the cross. V. Sorry, and it's in accordance with his word. <laughs> w, new. And it's in accordance with the victory on his cross. And in his power. Are we actively allowing the Holy Spirit to change us and to set us free? If yes, I mean, what are the changes that we've seen in our own lives and reactions and behaviors and those around us? If no, what can we do about it? And then lastly, last week, I talked about holy atmospheres. Just paying more attention to the atmospheres around us. And being intentional about pressing in to holiness. I think this is a good time for us to kind of check in. It's a good time for me anyway. And as we look back at the changes, or look ahead at the things we want to see changed in our lives. You see, this subject of holiness it's not going to go away. This call upon our lives to be holy is something I think God is very actively pursuing with his people. He wants to change us. And I ask all of these questions not in any way for us to feel bad or guilty. I, I hope you know this. I hope you know this of, of me. This is not who I am. You know, quite the opposite. You know, it's a word of encouragement to you all. It's a word of encouragement for us all. That God wants us to be like Jesus. He wants to ra- us to radiate as he did. He wants us to be that city on a hill that shines. He wants us to have that light radiating through us so that men's, people will give glory to God the Father. And so I'm asking this of us all, knowing two things, that being part of a church family, we are part of a church family and we can encourage one another in this. And it's right that we do in our life groups, that we encourage us to keep going where things are difficult. We stand alongside one another and support and encourage. But I say this as well because, and I know you know this, is that we're not doing this alone. And we're not doing this in our own strength. As Paul writes, and I'm getting to this passage in 1 Thessalonians, but it's not going to be a long uh, discourse. As Paul writes here, he who calls us is faithful and he will do it. I love this because not only God is faithful, in the way that he is with us. But his promises are true. And so he says to us, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Sometimes that's hard to do that. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Do not quench the Spirit. Turn that upside down. Allow the Spirit to come and fill you. Welcome Him. Do not despise prophecies. Turn that upside down. Spend time listening to the voice of God, hearing His voice, allowing Him to speak into our situations. Test all things. Yes, it's really important that we do that. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are things and situations that lead us astray. We have to be wise. We have to be discerning. We have to know what is of God and what isn't. We have to know what is holy and what isn't. Test all things, he says. Hold fast to what is good. I love that as well. Because actually, fundamentally, everybody knows what is good. But too easily we let go of that. And actually what the world is crying out is for the goodness of God to be known throughout the whole earth. Abstain for every form of evil. Again, the Holy Spirit helps us with this. We know what is wrong. But so often, just weakness of mind allows us to fall into those areas or open doors. And Paul's encouragement to the church is abstain from it. And actually all of this is essentially what we've looked at over these past few months. And then he goes on to say, but God is faithful. And the blessing that he has for us is to sanctify us, to make us holy, to refine us, to prune us, and to continue to do that to the end. We're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. We just have to say yes to him. And as Paul writes in Corinthians, with unveiled faces, for me that means it's kind of like removing masks. Being real with God and with one another. Kind of saying to him, you know what, this is me. This is who I am. I give you my all with unveiled faces. I don't want to cover anything up anymore. You see it all anyway. This is me. With unveiled faces to behold the glory of God. So I think this is what young people are doing. They're wanting to behold the glory of God. This is what I want. This is Heather and I, we are spending so much more of our Sabbath day just doing that, beholding the glory of God. Just there is a hunger that God's placed in us. I I don't even can put it into words and I and I see it in so many of you. It's just this longing for his glory. And there have been prophetic words that you know he is with us now. His presence is here. And his glory cloud. I mean someone was saying the other day, it's just like almost like rubbing their eyes. Is there a glory cloud here in the midst? He's going to manifest his glory in one way or other. But actually, what we're after is his presence. Which changes everything. With unveiled faces to behold the glory of the Lord.
imagine being Moses on that rock. And the Lord had to cover his face because such is the power that he wouldn't have been able to survive. But you see, because of Jesus, he's made a way for us to see the Father, to behold his glory. And actually right now, I pray for each one of us that our eyes would be open, our hearts would be open, that you would see his glory more than you've ever known or seen. With unveiled faces to behold the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image. Or what image is he talking about? Jesus. From one degree of glory to another. Already this morning I've had multiple opportunities to pray healing for people. See, I long for more of Jesus in me. So I've got more of Jesus to give to those who need him. And we're seeing that happen in our midst. As we reflect Jesus, his power at work, changing. And then as Paul says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I want to encourage us. Let's be changed for his glory. Let's give everything we've got and surrender all. As a church community, I, I know there's a timing that's happening in our midst where God has got amazing plans for us. And it's not just to do with a center as wonderful as that is. It's to do with his presence and his love. And we can see it all around us the world is not a happy place. There is so much brokenness. And the tipping point, I believe, has happened. And what he's looking for in us is to be his light and to share his love. And we do that as we pursue him with everything that we have. And if this sounds like a, a starting point for you, then make today a commitment to do that. If you're on this journey, make a commitment. I just want to go deeper and further. Just don't hold back. And together, we're going to see God's glory come in greater ways than we've ever imagined. Lives changed. And people kneeling before Jesus because he is worthy. Be holy, says the Lord. For I am holy. Let's stand together.
I just want to pray that, or rather make 2 Corinthians 3.18 a prayer for us. And just lead us through step by step, if you like, a process of asking the Lord to help us in the changes that he wants for us. So let me just read these words, and then I'm going to break it down and give us time just to make it a prayer. So Paul writes, with unfailed faces, to behold the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord.